I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences. for Type 40, your Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, designated driver, mouth runner, and flying solo on this edition of the show. Or am I? As always, we'll deliver Doctor Who conversation, facts, views, banter, and whatever else if you stay with me, and it'll all be fit for the 60th anniversary year here on our free speaking big thinking eclectic show for everyone whatever decade or century you started watching reading or listening along to those ongoing adventures of our hero doctor who we chat about it all on this show there may even be a few laughs thrown in along the way so come and step into our tardis and share this journey together here with us on type 40 yes uh, here we are celebrating the 60th anniversary our favorite tv series doctor who's a show that uh, crosses so many boundaries at its best it brings people together all in the spirit of of adventure really doesn't it and here for the next hour or so with me you'll get to do that as i take a connecting call with two fellow fans podcasters and creatives from the other side sides of the world when i fling back the lever on on this console marked wibbly wobbly timey wimey when i say marks it's in kyle wagner's handwriting i'm convinced this so if it all goes wrong <laughs> then i know exactly who to blame if i end up on the uh, basket weavers podcast or something like that okay what's what's next time we'll tell okay so in the meantime if you want to do some real-time traveling of your own each and every edition of this show past present and future is just a tap or two away if you know where to look reviews interviews geek outs and deep dives with all our regular panelists and some pretty awesome guests we know there's something for every fan over at type40.podbean.com more about that a little later on as well as a couple of minutes where we will make contact with the matrix of all knowledge that we call the fandom podcast network for a word about all the other cool conversations going on across the family of podcasts over there okay i think i'm as ready as i'll ever be the hands are off because i'm certain this will be a very friendly action displacement let's go meet the guests where are we this time who are we speaking to i'm traversing the time zones it's quite early for me uh, heaven knows when where it is for them we're going to find out now as i'm joined by lucia and talia they're from the wibbly wobbly timey wimey podcast i think i've got that in the right order welcome to the show both <laughs> Hello. so i think the first question the most important question we're going to start with a really deep and serious questions talia is are you are either of you uh, lego fans 
<laughs> because this this TARDIS, believe it or not, you may laugh, Lucia, but this TARDIS is made entirely out of Lego bricks. Oh wow. It looks gorgeous. And I can see a little bit of I can see a little bit of like they must be small Lego bricks because I can see like a little bit of the detailing. I was like, it looks a little ripply in a way that doesn't look like wood. Yeah, it's yeah, slightly uncanny, isn't it? And it's full size. It's not it's not in camera trickery either. That is a full size TARDIS there. Can, would you like to guess, Talia, how many bricks were used to create this down to the I'll give you to the nearest 10,000. <laughs> um, I would guess um, mm. 120,000 bricks. How about you, Lucia? I was going to go 200,000-something. 200, 200, oh, Talia, you win. Yeah, it's just oh. over 100,000 bricks. It's, that's, that's okay. You, <laughs> maybe you know your Lego. I think everybody loves Lego, though, don't they, Lucia? Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, I was very pleased to see um, something based in Australia because there is quite a large Lego community here. I remember only... Still really? Yeah, no, only yeah. a couple of years ago I went to go and see... A Lego exhibit over at my local gallery, the Victoria Arts Gallery, and it was incredible. I personally haven't played with it or like done any sort of wild, incredible yeah. sculpture with it um, since yeah. I was a tiny, tiny tot. Yeah, this one was uh, on Bondi Pavilion in Bondi Beach. Mm. I don't think it's there anymore. I think they sort of move it around a little. It was an arts installation that was that was put in place there, and it was yeah, it was full size. I don't think the doors open though, Talia. But you can't have everything, can you? No, you can't have everything. But I, I will say, I do love Legos. I, I, I had a lot of Lego sets that I would sometimes build when I was younger, up until I was yeah. in high school, and then I was in college, and then I like moved into my own apartment, and then it was like. I just didn't have as much time for Legos, but luckily I have a lot of younger cousins. Cousin close to me in age is only two years younger than me, but then on like my other side of my family, I have a cousin who's eight years younger than me, and then it's just, it then it just goes like younger and younger. And that must be nice. Yeah, no, it's like, because I'm always hanging out with kids, and so I do like sometimes play Legos with them. You are both assigned to us this time from uh, from your own podcast, aren't you? This is the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey podcast. And uh, yeah. you, you've you been putting this out for a couple of years now? Yeah, since May 2021. Mm-hmm. As people might be able to tell from your accents, you're from very different places. We the, are from very globe. different places. And oh, we've never said, met in person. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. No, so we've you... never met in person. <laughs> We've had the opportunity to. It's funny. We were at the same convention in Boston in the in October of 2019, and we when didn't we, meet each other. Yeah. So we actually met through um, a server known as Black, Black Nerds, Nerds Create. Create now. Awesome. <laughs> it was um, Black Girls Create. It is now Black Nerds Create. That was started by the wonderful Robin and Bayana was originally started uh their original endeavor was a um harry potter podcast yeah so it's hashtag wizard team is the podcast and it's actually no longer a harry potter podcast they are now putting out episodes again but because uh none of us really like harry potter anymore um so you we... broadened it to include include <laughs> real world wizardry do you actually no say... it's a black magical podcast now so now they focus on on like fantasy books and works written by black authors I, I, I thought I'd found, found a podcast that was going to teach me maybe my lifelong ambition to be a genuine wizard might have been, <laughs> but no, I have, keep, I have to keep looking, keep scrolling, uh, iTunes. Yeah, it'll be out there, keep looking there. <laughs> yeah, there are actually lots of lots of witchcraft and paganism podcasts though. I really like mm. Three Pagans and a Cat. You've never met physically, but nevertheless, you've been united by podcasting. So you, you met remotely through through this server. Put your hand up. Whose idea was it to podcast? Because not everybody feels motivated, compelled to do this, do they? Yeah, so I actually have another podcast. It's currently on hiatus. It's called Into the Archives. It's a fan fiction podcast. When I was recording that podcast, a lot of the people that I had on the podcast were all people that I'd met through Black Nerds Create. Mm when I was like thinking of people to have on the podcast because when you're in the server there's like a bunch of different channels about a bunch of different bunch of different nerdy topics and I noticed that Lucia and I were in a lot of the same channels talked about a lot of the same things and we both 
really like uh, fan fiction and fan creation is something that we're both really passionate about. We ended up moving from like the general channels to like sending each other DMs in the server. I was like, oh, I'm planning on starting this um, fan fiction podcast, but I've also always really wanted to do a Doctor Who podcast. And then Lucia was like, well, I used yeah. to have a Doctor Who podcast. I had a Doctor Who podcast, which was this. It's the, was the yeah. same one. It's the um, same title. This this is actually a massive rebranding. Uh, this is a this is a Talia. reboot. <laughs> yeah, version two point zero. Um, yeah. So I initially did about three or four episodes with a uni friend, which had the same kind of basic concept in that it was a rewatch podcast. We would like watch an episode, talk about it, send it out. It never really got off the ground, and then, you know, we were only really uni friends. We kind of didn't have a lot in common. We fell out a bit, and it, the podcast fall, fell apart. Neither of us were... Podcasters falling out? We never, we never fall out, do we? I'm type 40 guys, <laughs> So yeah. it sort of lay dormant for two or three years. What happened was yeah. Lucia guessed it on the, on the fanfiction podcast. We had such good chemistry that after we stopped recording, we kept talking for like ages. And then we're like, I've always wanted to start a Doctor Who podcast. You have a Doctor Who podcast that's in need of rebooting. Let's yeah. just do this. And Reboot. so that was in March of 2021. This is a story now, that I Brian... hear variations of quite a lot, that creativity bonds people. And then they find the outlet that they can channel together. Am I close to how it was, the, the connection between you? we decided to start this podcast together and we just sort of like jumped in feet first we barely knew each other we barely knew how to podcast yeah. um and yeah. so our early episodes are like not as good as not later. good not good please don't listen to our early you know, stuff. <laughs> i i yeah i recommend i recommend if you start listening to our podcast actually our bonus episodes I feel like we started those in fall 2021 when we actually knew a bit more because we because we were rewatch podcasts. We're rewatching from 2005 until basically until we get caught up, and then we're also going to be doing episodes as they come out, and then like hopefully we're also going to dive into some old Who as well. We approve this message, yeah. <laughs> um, and I occasionally actually because I haven't seen as much old Who as I would like. Usually, I, I don't watch all the episodes at once because the stories are like longer yeah, blocks in, of episodes. But occasionally, when I do have like six hours to set aside to watch a serialized <laughs> episode in my copious amounts of free time, I'll actually live tweet it. Oh, um, I see. And do like a little reaction, being like, "What is going on here?" When you do that, though, when you put that out, obviously, because particularly on somewhere like Twitter, you're going to get a response from people who know those episodes inside out. For people on that side of the equation, there's a fascination there with people's first reactions. That's why reaction mm -hmm. videos do so well on YouTube, isn't it, for example? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So how do you um, select your episodes, Lucia? Are you working your way through a particular season? Oh, we're going chronological. We're going so, chronologically, aside so... from bonus episodes of episodes as they come out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I we see. started yeah. season one of the reboot and have just been methodically making our way through. Um, and then as new episodes come out to sort of get on people's feeds and be like, hi, we're here. Um, <laughs> also live tweet new episodes as they're coming out on BBC America. I swear the ads on BBC America will be my villain origin story. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Wagner, if you're listening, yeah, fellow for the cause here. Yeah, it's um, it's something we do here quite a lot. Uh, the the pair of the Doctor special that 90 minutes mm. for us was over two hours for people watching on BBC America. I'm told by Kyle. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes they'll like cut stuff out. Yeah, so that's been also a huge thing. Is at the moment that's that's never going to go uh... down well, is it? <laughs> I have very often offered my ABC iView connection to Talia because at the time we had full access to a lot of BBC products, including Doctor Who, without any ads, without any cutting, direct from the source. That What are friends for, Lucia? What are friends for? Yeah, and now that's all at an end, which is incredibly all change isn't it quite exciting in a lot of respects i think we're all pretty excited one guy in particular is very excited that's that's mr mr shooty gatwai i think you, can, you can't keep the smile off his face yeah real breath of fresh air uh, same oh, with I'm... billy gibson come to think of it 
I'm so excited. I've actually already been putting together my 15th Doctor cosplay, even though he's not coming out until like 2024. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing this. So I had some pants and a jacket that I liked, but then I recently got new pants that I actually like even more, but they don't actually go with the jacket. So now I need a different jacket. So I guess now I'm going to have like two alts. Um, get, uh, get kitted out with, with yeah. all things shooting. I watched him in Sex Education and he was, and I feel like the Doctor is going to be a very different character because Eric is a teenager. I saw a quote from Shooty quite recently where he said he's going from playing a teenager to, to playing somebody who is pretty much ageless because he's 30 mm -hmm. years years of age himself so he's definitely not a teenager and i, I mm -hmm. just find this about fascinating and i'm at, at, a, at quite a particular place with this because i have never seen this man properly act i've the only thing i've seen him in is an ad for a console game a formula one console game where he plays a racing car driver a kind of lewis hamilton kind of figure and it's all sort of charged and it's very playful and mm. uh, there's a lot of uh, machismo i think involved in that whereas i know that his role in sex education is everything but that and so that to me points to an actor with immense uh, range which is so exciting for the show and i'm tempted yeah. to go and watch sex education i will uh, say sex education is very explicit that's why yes. all the teenagers are played by adults um, because um, sometimes when you're watching, like I would not watch sex education with my mother, for example, because sometimes when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, am I watching a TV show or am I watching an adult movie? Yeah, I I'm very much getting into that bracket now, Talia. I'm aware that I'm becoming a sort of podcast dad figure. So yeah, you can you're concerned for my moral well-being. But what is, I feel the same way about him because I, I was so excited like 12 years ago, 13 years ago when Matt Smith was cast because I'd never consciously seen Matt Smith in anything and he was a blank canvas, but he was the doctor instantly. And so I feel that if I see Shooty in anything else, in all seriousness, whatever he's playing, it may impact on my perception of him as the doctor. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm at that place, shall I binge watch everything he's ever done? or stay completely fresh and just see him as the doctor he's got two million followers on instagram he's already a star some would argue but he's not a, he's not a name he's not a household name certainly not in britain he's on his way there already you know people are aware that he's that he's on the way and it's yeah, it's yeah. really really I mean, exciting playing the doctor will certainly give him a bit of a boost yeah <laughs> i will say that there is no way that i'm not going to watch the barbie movie because i am very excited about it <laughs> <laughs> well that looks a lot of fun though doesn't it it looks like he's having fun it looks like everybody involved in that thing is having fun in it it like that movie looks like such a romp i feel like it's the kind of movie where like even if it ends up being bad it's gonna be end up being bad in a good way you know what i mean <laughs> i do this could very well be shooty's year it's certainly doctor who's year 60th anniversary year obviously it's all changed already we've had two new logos variations on one logo in a relatively short period of time mm -hmm. and here in britain gradually bringing about a, a real uh, reinvigoration of the fan base how much do these occasions translate overseas do you think is it something that we're all feeling the fact that we're in a, a, another momentous anniversary year because to me i've got to be honest the 50th anniversary doesn't seem that long ago but mm -hmm. you know uh, I, well, I do when the 50th i do joke happened i was still in high school okay yeah oh, no oh. that was my Sorry, i remember hang on. i'm gonna need a, i'm gonna need a minute hang on. <laughs> we're back in a sec oh, okay yeah. Well, I, I distinctly remember the 50th anniversary because I remember it was the year I graduated high school. We have our sort of end of high school celebration is referred to as schoolies. So S-C-H-O-O-L-I-E-S. -E I've not heard that we're one big, before. Yeah, we're a big fan of slang here. Yeah. Well, it's, okay, it's always so... very fun listening. It's always very fun talking with uh, foreign folk because I'll say yeah. something and think it's completely innocuous, just a part of my everyday speech. I don't yeah. think of myself as someone who says a lot of slang. Um, well, even just the way you pronounce H is different from the way I pronounce it. <laughs> and then I'll be I brought up by it. people being like, what was that word? Did you repeat that for me again? Mm. Um, but yeah, but I remember going up with all of my friends uh, up to uh, a friend's beach house for schoolies. And we all were all bunking together watching the 50th. But no, to think Classic. that's 10 years ago is not fun for me. 
Speaking about the the international divide, how do you find recording together? It, is it challenging, or have you got it down to a fine art now after the last eighteen months, two years? I feel like we've got it pretty down. I feel like we're definitely at a point where we're much more in sync. I feel like yeah, scheduled. Like we we've got a much better routine. A well um, routine, machine. Yeah, and our routine does include me waking up at four thirty in the morning every Friday. <laughs> This time of year, because right now we're 16 hours apart, but sometimes we're 15 or 14. It wasn't always Talia getting up super early. There was a long period when we were first started yeah. when it was me getting up. So uh, we yeah. do well, share you the weren't getting up super early. You were getting up at like eight o'clock. I'm getting up at 4:30. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. 30, I shouldn't was... laugh, but, but <laughs> I can't. I can't quite help myself. Um, but th in all seriousness, though, this show. It's one of lots of things. There are lots of shows and movies and, and hobbies that bond people together, but this really does bond people together like that. And mm -hmm. and obviously your friendship and the the thing that you have built together, it's important to you and mm -hmm. the, the commitment between you. It, it's sort of an unwritten thing. It's an unspoken thing, isn't it? It's an understanding that if you want to spend time together and explore this topic that brought you together in the first place, then, you know, if you've got to get up a little early or, or stay up a little later. It's it's funny, isn't it, how when we really want to do something or, or want to speak to somebody, we will we will go that extra mile or two. Oh, yeah, I know. We also, like, will FaceTime in what is for me the evening and what is for Lucia her lunch break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've had a lot of uh, lunch break conversations. We, like, sent each other, like care packages for the holidays i i, I really thanks like to, the thanks you to australian me. customs it literally only just arrived for talia <laughs> and lucia got hers by christmas but i had to send it in like october <laughs> to get it <laughs> but we managed well speaking about uh, about the challenges of being international Doctor Who fans. I think that brings me to uh, something I wanted to, to talk to you about because as international fans obviously it's all changed for this series for the both of you in a way that it isn't going to be for, for myself and people in Britain because for the for the anniversary going forward we've had the news that uh, the Disney Plus is going to be the official sole home for new episodes of Doctor Who from November so not just the stuff with David Tennant coming back but all the shooty Gatwa stuff too. I want to start with you, Lucia, really, because as an Australian, I would imagine this is going to affect you more so, arguably, Doctor Who's second home is Australia. Yeah. And the ABC brand in itself is pretty synonymous with Doctor Who, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was a massive shock to the system, not just to me, but um, to the whole sort of Australian Doctor Who fandom and community it's very hard not to see it as a kick in the teeth there's been such a long relationship between the abc and the bbc and in particular with doctor who there's a lot of um a lot of australian a lot of uh the abc's programming is sort of geared towards promoting a lot of uh bbc content and doctor who is a huge flagship in that sense um like um in a very sort of like materialistic marketing kind yeah. of sense of it all just in the simple sort of like talking about like money like when you go into an abc shop for instance like a brick and mortar shop there is always an entire section devoted to doctor who and that's all it is the t-shirts like, the mugs all that sort of thing and there was a spin-off show for a while wasn't that called whovians presented by Rose, yeah what's his name oh i can't remember myself. I, I know i but, know the guy yeah. he's a very likable <laughs> bloke but i've forgotten his name already shows how fickle we we really are doesn't it yeah, but yeah, no, there's a huge, there's a huge community here in Australia of Whovians that was, I would, I feel very comfortable saying is built on the fact that the programming is free and it's accessible um, and that there was always a really strong base for it as well. Like it wasn't just the new stuff coming out. It was, we had a lot of access to old Who, we had a lot of access to all of the revival stuff. Um, you had the repeats that we never got. I, can't, I constantly yeah. get reminded about this as well. You know, before you were born, people yeah. of my generation would, could see Doctor Who every single day. And, and I suppose that's 
part of it's kind of like kind of like how we got neighbors here that's on every <laughs> it was on yeah. every day here we got the, 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 the thing sort of reversed i think yeah mm -hmm. but yeah i mean this is something that i've heard quite a lot over the last few months it was a, sh a shock to the system definitely Mm. But generally speaking, it's been a few months on from that. How, how do you feel about it now? A, a little more? Yeah, it's still great. <laughs> still I mean, hurt. it's still not great. I'm still not happy that it's happened. Um, no. Because like you say, there's a paywall there that, what, yeah. that has never been there before, isn't there? Exactly, yeah. Um, I, I can like see from like an outside perspective, like a, a more sort of objective perspective, that this is a very smart move and um, uh, in, a, in a much broader sense does both open up Doctor Who to a whole new market while still closing off, a, like by making Disney Plus the exclusive uh, distributor of the new show, that necessarily limits it to only countries and areas that have access to Disney Plus, which is certainly a move, right? Because um, we forget, don't we? I think once we've had a streaming platform launch in our territory, Talia, we forget that others, that the rollouts tend to happen gradually, don't they? And that others may be behind in the same position that we were before. And I, I suppose once we're on the other side of that equation, it, it's slightly different. But obviously, you're you're in America. Which part of America are you in, Talia? I'm on the um, East Coast, so I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts. There's a Cambridge in the UK, but there's also so I work for an organization that has Cambridge in the name, and we are often um, confused with other Cambridges in the UK and around the US. There's like a lot of places called Cambridge. It's really funny. Like sometimes we'll get an email, like it's like, no, you're looking for some place that's in Canada, or like you're looking for some place that's in the U.S. or in the U.K. But no, so I live in Cambridge, is right next to Boston. Um, but it's also um, a lot of people might know it because it's where Harvard and MIT are. Harvard <laughs> is a very old American institution. It's a word mm -hmm. that we associate with with America, and I think uh, probably of equal <laughs> equal amounts to the word yeah. to the word Disney. It's as an, as American as as apple pie and, and the little white picket fences and things like that. So yeah. somebody who's who's in America to see presumably Doctor Who is one of your favorite shows. If you do a, a podcast oh, about Doctor to Who's see a brand that you show. love. Oh, it is your favorite show. Oh, it's definitely my favorite show. Like Doctor Who is like my number one show it's, it's been my number one like facet of my life really like if i have a personal brand it's very it's much affiliated with doctor hear. who uh, honestly th this never gets old it's enchanting to hear that not just from people in other territories in the world but different generations too it really is lovely to hear yeah the disney brand being being attached to it, i mean for me i think that this clearly a lot of mixed feelings about this certainly the mm -hmm. the listenership the viewership that we have i feel that that of all the streaming platforms netflix amazon disney plus doctor who has hopped when i first started watching doctor who it was on netflix then it moved to amazon then it moved to hbo max recently it's been in this literally weird gone all the way around. state where it's in where some of the episodes are on hbo max and some of the episodes are on H amc plus and i'm like what is going on here so like a while ago when it first hopped from Amazon to HBO Max, even though my family does have an HBO Max subscription, I still went out and got all the DVDs and bought myself a DVD player. Always the safest option. Um, because I was like, I can't trust that it's not going to hop again. And you know what? I was right. Now it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> um, Here's how I feel as, as a Brit. Of all those brands, if anything, Doctor Who is, it's not a kid's show. It's specifically a family, a family show. Certainly here in Britain. I think it's the same in Australia, isn't it, Lucia? A, mm, a big family yeah. brand. And yeah. to me, of all those streaming platforms here in the 21st century, you can't get more family than Disney traditionally. And so this seems like the most natural fit. If it's going to be in one, on one of the streaming platforms, I think this is the one that I'd rather it be on, Talia. Old Who has been on BritBox, so um, I've had to also get BritBox so that I could watch the episodes of Old Who. Um, 
but also I have a uh, I have a Roku smart TV and there is a Roku has like a few like channels that are yeah um, that you can just watch even without a subscription as long as you have oh, Roku we've TV. got something similar than that, to that here yeah there is a channel that just plays do- old Doctor Who episodes on loop 24 yeah. hours a day it's just the doctor who channel never been more places that you can watch not just not just uh, classic doctor who but new doctor who it's fair yeah. to say that some people are uncomfortable with the disney brand being associated with doctor who they're worried that, it, uh, that disney could encroach on on it editorially and on it creatively i mean my view is that worry about it when it happens and and to just take people at face value could be the way forward the Disney brand, I, I think, obviously, as it's expanded and as they've bought Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. Lucasfilm, all that, they've sort of expanded in in ways that would have mm-hmm. been unthinkable ten or fifteen years ago. And I can see that what, that could make people feel uncomfortable that, that mm-hmm. there are fewer options and that, that fewer fewer people in creative control of of more things. Mm-hmm. But do you think there's a real danger in, in entertainment, generally speaking? You know, this is your favorite show, Talia. Do you think there's a, a real danger in all entertainment, all geek entertainment becoming kind of homogenized like that? So on the one hand, I think that one company having a monopoly is a bit dangerous. On the other hand, my second- oh, my second as well. Yeah, yeah, but my second fandom that I'm most affiliated with is the MCU. To only have one subscription to watch all of Doctor Who and all of MCU, and I only have to have one app because the way that everything is like bundled these days, I actually get Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus as part of my phone package. So just by paying for my cell phone, I also get Disney Plus. I think there's a lot of fear mongering, honestly. Um, being a distributor is not the same as having editorial control. That's one thing to consider. I personally would not be a fan if, like, of the MCU route for Doctor Who. I think there's been a lot of attempts to spin it off or make it into a larger universe. And obviously there's, like, the comics, the books, Sarah Jane Adventures, K9, which was a short-lived but beloved offshoot that was based right here in Oz. It was great just because um, it fed into one of my personal things which is that not a lot of stuff is based in Australia so it was really all like out of Australian made content Mm. Australia's Australian um, actors Australian technicians Mm. well we were talking about the Barbie movie earlier Margot Robbie right like very often Australian actors in order to get work outside of Australia have to change their accents change their presentation not Mm -hmm. be Australian and it's it's a personal grievance for me but whenever I see yeah. Australia being celebrated in foreign media, it's always exciting. I mean, Brits have the yeah. same, but nowhere near to the extent that Aussies do. I mean, Hugh, Hugh Laurie, obviously, he's the, uh, the the biggest example I can think of all those years on house. Nobody realised that he wasn't American for a long, long time. We knew in Britain because he'd been on British yeah. television for 30 years at that point. But I think the Aussies, yeah, I think you've got it got it worse, definitely. Yeah. Think about the amount of Australian actors that are in the MCU, everything, like Hugh Jackman, Thor. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, well, I was just thinking, actually, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston play Thor and Loki, who, are, who yeah. are siblings, but they have different accents. <laughs> and I always thought it was so funny, because, like, I, I talk to a lot of British people, and, like, I talk to Lucia, and I actually have, uh, I actually have other Australian friends as well. Um, and it's really funny. So I could tell the difference between the way that they spoke. It's the um, Asgardian accent. That's what it is. So, like I said, I've always been really into the MCU. You can't use the same blueprint and apply it to something else. Like the MCU is like very expansive, but it's so expansive. And also the thing is a lot of times when you watch, like, especially with the Disney plus shows on, on, um, on, uh, uh, available for the MCU Disney Plus stars, yeah. a lot of them, you don't even have to have the context of the other things. I guess WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki are the shows I would say that you most need the context for, like, There's other... a lot of continuity in those, yeah. There's a lot of continuity. Um, but I will say that shows like Moon Knight, shows like Ms. Marvel, they are related, and even She-Hulk, are all related to the MCU and they incorporate other MCU characters. But it seems also like they, they use it as a starting much... point rather than 
remain yeah. sort of entrenched in in what we've seen before yeah. that, it's that very much like helpful if you know all the lore and you're like obsessive like i am <laughs> um, yeah. but uh it's not necessary um, that's what I saw. I mean, I didn't watch it all, <laughs> but I did, the sandwich of it. But that's what I I liked about the Hawkeye show, mm -hmm. particularly the the opening few episodes. I, I, I say I've got my own thoughts about the Marvel series. I'm, they should be making quite so much of them. I think you can. I, to me, it's all become diluted a little. But uh, I liked how they used that because obviously they brought through uh, the Kate Bishop character. Mm -hmm. Because it was the sort of the uh, the student and the master kind of story, everybody can relate to that. Whether you mm -hmm. you know in the eighties, it was whether it's the Karate Kid, there was equivalence in the nineties, there was equivalence in the noughties. We all know the story of the of the student and the master and all that and all that mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's a kind of an ageless story that works just as well within the MCU as it does anywhere else. But no, I had looked at it like that. You were right. the Karate Kid. I used to watch that with my. <laughs> Well, not the not one with Jackie friend. Chan, the one with Ralph No, Mac no, 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 the original. <laughs> and the thing that I like about Doctor Who, actually, is that I feel like saying that it has continuity is a bit wrong, but I'm saying, like, it's it's all affiliated with, like, the the BBC for the most part. It does have it a has, continuity. It, it has, has a continuity much, it has within a much itself and that exterior. If you think about, like, the MCU and how even just the whole thing of how the rights to different Marvel characters belong to together. different companies so like that's why like the x-men weren't in the mcu for the longest time that's why there's three different versions of spider-man and universal still have the hulk they can't disney can't make solo films with the hulk can they because universal insists mm -hmm. on retaining rights even though they've got no intention of making a hulk movie the universal studios in florida hulk ride is really fun my mom took me and my brother when we graduated high school she took us on a vacation to florida and we went to universal studios and we went i dragged him on that hulk ride because for some reason the line was really short that day and i dragged him on the hulk ride i think five times in a row and he was like <laughs> if you make me go on that ride again i will throw up on you yeah so yeah. it's going to be all, all change for doctor who if you live in other territories i think for us in britain it's still going to have that continuity it's still going to be beyond bbc one Although the BBC itself is is changing, it's still going to be exactly where people have always found it. Whilst that does that's reassuring for Brits, we do we feel your pain, Lucia. I I think a lot of us do understand and we can relate. The, the age of global of global television and global brands and streaming platforms. We've all had to go and get a subscription for something else where where we thought we got it covered, Talia, just as you described there. So I think these are. Well, they're 21st century problems and very sort of first world problems, but still, you know, it makes yeah. you gnash your teeth now and again. I'm sure that in three or four years time, when, and I'm, I'm convinced this will be a success, and that, that uh, Bad Wolf and Sony and Disney Plus are, are doing with Doctor Who, with, with Shooter Gap, I'm convinced they will find their audience and, and this will grow. And we will see this big resurgence of Doctor Who again. I, I think it's absolutely possible. But in three or four years time, these conversations that we're having will, could could feel quite quaint and it, mm -hmm. it will maybe feel like second nature that, that Disney Plus is the place that people go to and, and maybe they'll pull the stuff from HBO, that deal will be over by then. Because the, the BBC's um, Doctor Who deal with HBO, obviously part of Warner's, that's almost as long standing as the one with the ABC. They, it's been connected to them through VHS releases and all sorts for a very long time, but times do change. When it first came back in 2005, it was blazing a lot of trails, the way that Russell was thinking creatively, as you say, with all the spin-offs there, Lucia. You just made me viscerally remember the, the, the 11th Doctor's regeneration, which causes me so much pain, because it, as part of his regeneration speech, he says, times must times change and so must I. I will always remember when the Doctor was me. And that was his mm -hmm. like last words. And yeah. honestly, Matt Smith was the first Doctor that I watched live. And so, like, his regeneration, like, gutted me. I will say that, like, I, I love Capaldi. I, I love him even more than I love Matt Smith. Um, I think they're both fantastic actors, but, like, Capaldi's Doctor is, is one that I just really adore. But it's funny because, like, a lot of people say that, that you'll, like, like, imprint on your first Doctor, that, like, the first Doctor that you watch live is, like, your favorite Doctor. Um, but I will say that that was actually not the case for me, as much as I love Matt Smith. I me feel neither. Like I feel like uh, Capaldi and and Whitaker are the doctors that I feel most connected with. 
Um, I also really love the Fugitive Doctor. I wish we saw more of her. I cosplay as Fugitive Doctor, as Martha, and as Bill. Lots of different avenues in which you can explore your creativity there. Yeah, it's a similar story with me. I mean, I, I first saw Tom Baker. Tom had been in the role for two or three years when I first saw the show, and I stayed with it until then. But it, but I view Peter Davison as my doctor, and I think I and, and seeing that seeing that doctor born on screen, mm -hmm. seeing one doctor mm -hmm. die and another one born, that gave me a sense of um, of of ownership. Like what was coming in was was kind of for me. I'd mm -hmm. come into something else that was halfway halfway through that other people had seen it all. And I wanted to see it all, but there were no repeats then. So this this felt fresh, felt reinvigorated, and felt like the Peter Davison's Doctor was something like my big brother kind of character. And mm -hmm. yeah, I really, really latched onto it. And yes, it's a, I don't think these things were set in stone as official uh, magazines and receive fan wisdom informs us that they are. I viewed David Tennant as my doctor for a really long time, and it's only through this rewatch that I've found that that's not really true. David it's Tennant's like, my least favorite of the modern yeah, doctors. Yeah, it's very controversial. Tennant, like, I love David Tennant as an actor, and I feel like um, I feel like he plays the role great, and I feel like I also love the other stuff he's been in. And I also like, you know, from what I've seen of his like interviews and like social media and stuff, he seems like a nice guy. I found that um, I had a whole new love for Nine, for the Ninth Doctor the second time round, where I'd always kind of dismissed him earlier, um, which is such a pity because Christopher Eccleston did so much. He was he was the first doctor of the revival. He did a lot of the heavy lifting for that brand yeah, to bring it back. I, I don't know if this translated to Australia, Lucia, but mm. here in Britain, even by the time that Doctor Who was coming back, there was a certain amount of it had been away for so long. A lot of people were very fond of it, but bringing mm. it back, even for them, was oh no, you shouldn't bring it back. I, know, I liked it then, but I wouldn't like it now. <laughs> a lot of cheap nonsense. And and who would they get to play it? It'd be Paul Daniels. It'd be it'd be some comedian or light entertainer. Chris being aligned with that brand at that moment in it. I don't think he's an actor who could pick his jobs, Chris Eccleston. But for an actor who was taken so seriously by his peers and the British public, those who knew of him, to align himself with something such as Doctor Who for, for families, for, for children, was a, quite a gamble on, on his part. When he was taking it seriously, it meant that everybody else could take it seriously. And I, I, I do, I think that, I, I see sometimes it, um, it's spoken about on social media, uh, skip nine, or don't skip nine. Think, why would you do that? Yeah, when I was when I first started watching Doctor Who, it was um, I was in high school. Uh, I was in study hall, and um, my freshman year, I was in study hall, and there were these older students. I think they were like juniors or seniors, and we were like all because study hall was in the cafeteria. The table I ended up sitting at was with a bunch of like nerdy like Doctor Who people, and they were like, "You got to watch this show, Doctor Who. You'll love it." don't skip nine so it is a, it is a thing then it is a thing yeah. doctor who is uh, yeah it, it continues it rolls on the cameras are rolling at the moment they've been up and down the country they've been mostly in wales for a change they've been in <laughs> in swansea in particular last week they were filming with some some sort of sluggy sluggy type creature i don't know if you saw those pictures they were filming at a university I yeah. campus i did see it I, mean, I get the impression these these creatures are going to be augmented through through cgi but they i don't know it's all very russell t davis very colorful a little bit power yeah. rangers and i can't wait to see what that's going to yeah. look like i saw a couple of photos of um people it looked like they were being hugged but i'm sure they were <laughs> <laughs> something nasty is happening to them i think lucia it's not gonna but happen. I, my immediate thought was like oh. i was having a bit of a rough week and i was like you know what the all-encompassing hug of a giant slug creature doesn't <laughs> <do it anymore. laughs> i wouldn't mind it to be honest and uh, the mirror and okay magazine have have been all over this and they've got some exclusive photographs millie gibson as ruby sunday and uh, and we've got Gemma redgrave back as kate stewart so where were they in the country so yeah unit were arriving there we've got unit troops and and all the the artillery and vehicles and whatnot it's kind of re oddly reassuring <laughs> to see mm -hmm. the unit logo reappear isn't it of ruby sunday and her and yeah. like having her as a companion I 
am just like I'm really tired of having companions from the 21st century, or like from whenever, or like the show, yeah, or like yeah, or like uh, like like seriously, I really want I want more alien companions back. Like I want more. Like I want to see more companions from like different eras. Like I was just saying, I really wish that Clara as a companion had been Victorian Clara. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Like Sarah, I think that would we've got another one. Yes, we hear this. We hear this completely. Yeah. I feel I, like yeah. that would have been like so much. Like I don't know. So like there's there's a part of me that's really hoping that um, Ruby is like from a different planet or something. <laughs> I'm sort of thinking back to I'm a bit more familiar with Old Who than Talia is because there's a bit more uh, support for it here so there's a lot mm -hmm. of libraries full of old DVDs and things like that but like I'm thinking back to Adric I'm thinking back to like um, Romana and um... people who are if they're not out of time then they're out of place when exactly. they're whenever it's a contemporary like, it was, yeah. it was much more of a sort of uh, accepted notion the idea that the companion could be from anywhere and any when I have seen Ro like Romana's one of my favorite characters so uh, Romana I have one seen, or Romana two <laughs> like I have seen old who it's just until I got Britbox um, a few months ago like it was hard to find the episodes like I said there was that there's that channel where it'll play you random episodes so like I've seen like a bunch of random Doctor Who classic Who episodes and they've been all out of order. I think the first episode I watched was um, Caves of Androzani. A blowout episode. I was just wondering, have they <laughs> has uh, somebody skinned Kermit alive there to make to make uh, Kate Stewart's new coat? Oh. To that way to me. <laughs> a little, a little worrying it, there. A little worrying. Yeah, it does look like it might look like Kate and Ruby have some kind of relationship, which would be very interesting. I think that could be fun. Um, in terms of, you know, having coffee at a cafe isn't something mm -hmm. I don't think Kate tends to usually do often with companions or without. And I always enjoy seeing Gemma Redgrave in this case. Well, most of the time I do. I mean, I, I know that in the one episode of Flux, it looked like she'd been given the script like 10 minutes before she was reading it. But every other time, Gemma Redgrave has been a consummate professional. But I do feel that the character, for what we've seen in so many episodes now, and to have such a great actress too in this role, they really should start developing the character a, a little now. I'd like to feel more of her personality come through because mm -hmm. she's she's got such range Gemma Redgrave she's very well respected yeah. in Britain there's still a lot of a prestige in having yeah. her so associated with Doctor Who we first saw it in the um the pair of three believe it or not Lucia back in 20 that was 2011 I think so yes I think yeah well I remember there being such excitement with her being like her character being so connected to the Brigadier and hoping that she would fulfill a similar role um and of course the brigadier is so beloved um as a character mm -hmm. um and well deserved um and it's just never quite reached that point i feel like it's more yeah. sort of she shows up is incredibly competent and fun she and points she at things and off. tells a few people what to do and then boggles <laughs> off no i, I agree yeah. whereas, whereas the brigadier it, there was yeah. a, a lot of banter he was an active component of several stories mm. and yeah. Yeah, at times he was belligerent and he could but he could also be very very open at, at some times he made decisions which you would question and, and other times he, he uh, made decisions which were clearly the right thing to do whereas i i, I do really feel now to justify Kate's continued involvement. The fans want to know who this woman is and what her, I think we can probably guess what her values are, come to think of it, mm -hmm. but I think it'd be nice to, to learn more about her as a person, how she is equipped to do what she does. I mean, she's a character that originated in um, unofficial fiction in a, 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 a straight-to-video film called Downtime. And so she had this sort of unique path really to the screen so but yeah after 30 years it's high time they de they developed it. i've every faith in russell t davis if you can't have faith in the certainly the best writer in british television working currently then who can you place faith in and i'm very excited to see this going forward it's just nice it's nice to see doctor who out filming somewhere anywhere again isn't it i mean how, how do you feel there overseas when you see doctor who filming in these in these locations in little towns in britain does it feel like all is right with the world lucia <laughs> 
It does a little bit, yeah. Obviously, we don't get the same sort of. It's not the same kind of excitement where we could be like, oh, if we if we grab our coats and <laughs> like, <laughs> we might be able to catch them, you know, whenever there's any kind of behind the scenes or photos or bits of footage. It's always very, at least for I think. More personally for me, as someone who's very interested in all of the behind the scenes and getting mm. as much information as I possibly can about production, um, it's very exciting for me. We yeah. were talking about the ABC earlier. Is it attractive in some respect that with Doctor Who being, not just with Disney+, Plus, because I don't want to do a disservice to Bad Wolf and Sony, they're international too, there's more of a likelihood now, Talia, that Doctor Who could potentially, you could walk down your, your street and Doctor Who may well be filming in the States or, or indeed in Australia. It's more likely now that it's got these attachments to, to larger brands, isn't it? You know, it's what, what we may lose in, in some respects, we may gain in others. Do you think that's likely, Talia? Yeah, I think it's likely. And also, like, I will say that while I know that Doctor Who is, like, you know, is like a staple of, of Britain at the same time, um, I think that it should be a more global show. I feel That's like right. it makes more sense for me for if, like, this, like, age, this, like, timeless, ageless character who travels all over the universe it just it seems a little bit unlikely to me that he would just always be going back to the <laughs> same little island it's a fine balance isn't it because i know that a lot of people overseas one of the things that they gravitate towards the show for is because it doesn't look like everything else the locations mm -hmm. tend to be tend to look like like britain and it's got a different so but i think you've got you you've got a duty to maintain that continuity we were talking about and the look of that show but also to expand it to and to be and to be as wild as you as you possibly can and to think big and i, I yeah i think yeah. that could be that could be coming that a, a finer balance could be on the way and also if like the doctor did ever come to the us i would hope that they would come to cambridge and i would not be surprised <laughs> i actually used to like i did like a temp job at harvard and i could like in my old apartment i could like walk there and i walk to work every day so i'm saying like I live in an area that's like very culturally well known. Like there's been like recent Marvel projects that have filmed like at MIT. Um oh, of and, yeah, and so like it makes sense to me and I would hope that at some point the doctor would come to my area. But also I've been the for years got a story though, Talia, because what yeah. could happen? He could have the same problem. As, as you get with people who are phoning your place of work, he could believe that he's going to one Cambridge and end up in another. And that could be the starting point to an awkward. Yeah, no, he could he could think he's going to one Cambridge and then, whoops, now you're in Massachusetts. Um, but I've been, but it's kind of funny, I've also been considering for a long time considering moving to Wales, but the, like, well no okay so the thing is i have loved wales since i was very young um uh also i've Most never been there i have a really strong love for mythology and folklore and i specifically i remember when i was in high school i took a class actually at harvard um, uh, they, they have Harvard Extension, high schoolers can take, anyone can take those classes, including high schoolers. Um, and so I took a Harvard Extension course on Celtic mythology. And I just really, um, I really loved Welsh mythology. Also a lot, my mother's family, so on my grandmother's side, like everyone's been in the US since like the original colonization. <laughs> but on my granddad's side, like I think my great grandfather actually immigrated from the UK. And then like his mother, like, they came from, they came through Canada, but also like fairly recently um, from the UK. I've, I've done a lot of like genealogy work. Like when I like did the ancestry.com and it like yeah. broke it down. Um, actually the number one was actually Scottish and then Nigerian and then went down. But like most of my family, it seems came from either um, countries in Africa or um, various places in the UK. That's great stuff. When you get into it, you get stuck into it, you open up a whole, uh whole minefield don't you of uh, mm -hmm. of, op of um, possibilities and, and what do they call it strings strains where we're tied to and people that we're tied to yeah i've been tempted mm -hmm. to do that myself 
let's give people a nice big plug for, for your show too. So this is the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey podcast. You've either just launched or you, you're about yeah, to Yeah, so that's, that's three. the graphic for our teaser trailer. We just launched um, season three. Our first episode of season three will have come out, which yes. is Smith and Jones. And we'll One of have... my favorite episodes. Uh, Genuinely. You might not like our episode on it then. It's not that we dislike Smith and Jones. It's that Smith and Jones has... <laughs> Like, when you think about the implications of the fact that, like, almost everyone in that hospital is dead. But don't say things like, no, <laughs> no, I'm, oh, I'm going to have to listen to oh, it now. Oh, we've got, a very, we've got a very large science section in our show, so where we love people yeah, hear, we... Where can people hear you, Lucia? Where, where can people find your podcast? You got a home, have you got a home feed? And which podcatchers are you on? Yeah, so oh. we can actually find us um, our, on our website is wibblywobblytummywimey.net or wibblypod.com, either URL works. Um, and then all of our social media is at wibblypod. Um, so we've got Instagram, we've got, we don't really use our Facebook or our TikTok, but we've uh, we've got Twitter, uh, YouTube, that is not fully updated with all of our episodes. Well, but Tumblr, we do have- I had. <laughs> we have the Tumblr, which Lisha does. So I and our social media manager, Charlie, manage um, all the rest of them. Um, but you can find us basic, basically almost everywhere that there's podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're we're everywhere. But yeah, just go to go to our website uh, wibblypod.com/listen, and you'll find all of the places where you can listen to us. Um, and then we also have transcripts for all of our episodes because we fully believe that accessibility is really important. So if you go to our website um, wibblypod.com, you can find all of our transcripts. And each transcript actually has the audio of the episode embedded into the page. Um, so if you don't want to listen on your regular podcatcher and you just want to, and you want to listen while reading the transcript, you can go to our website. We also have a Patreon, just patreon.com slash wibblypod. Um, we're just wibblypod pretty much everywhere. There's no, no <laughs> fat on that is the wibblypod. It's boils it down. It's a very yeah. distinctive, yeah. very distinctive name. I can see why you're stuck with it, Lucia. Yeah, I remember being amazed that it wasn't taken when I first, when I first, <laughs> like, that the Wibbly Wobbly Time Away podcast was something that no one else had sort of claimed yet. Um, so I'm very proud that I managed to grab it while I could. Yeah, and I, um, like I said, I joined a little bit later. When I joined, I kind of went a little, like the the branding sort of completely changed. <laughs> like we have a completely different logo so i designed the lo our logo myself and then like i said i was doing most of the social media myself for a while until i turned over to um now we have a social media manager charlie and they're great yeah but yeah so all of our graphics have been done by talia and they're all amazing i'm the executive producer of the podcast um mm -hmm. where lucia is the audio engineer so we're both co-hosts we both talk on the podcast but i basically cover everything so i do social media i do editing i do like scheduling all that stuff whereas lucia mostly focuses on uh editing and making like the final draft of the of the episodes and making sure that I they see. sound nice whereas i do like the rough cuts and then we also have an editor d who helps us with the rough cuts as well and lucia manages the tumblr as well it's been delightful to spend this time getting to know you two and uh, hearing about your your show and your friendship and, and Doctor Who from that international perspective as well, across all those different time zones, which are, I believe, essential to the show moving forward. Mm -hmm. Britishness obviously is a key component of Doctor Who, but the expansion of its appeal, I think it's difficult to orchestrate something, something like that. I, sometimes mm -hmm. I think when people try too hard to do it, it really shows and it can mm -hmm. sometimes fail because of that. But uh, I believe that the bright talent is on screen and behind the scenes to to make it really happen this time and, and for mm -hmm. doctor who for its 60th anniversary moving forward to really begin not start over as such but to certainly go next level i'll certainly be listening to to what you both have to say about everything that's coming later this year and next year too i'm excited mm -hmm. that you're both so excited and yeah once again thanks for spending time with me talking through some of these some of these topics 
this time. I hope to bring you back at some point in the future. If you're down for that, I'd be very interested to hear what you've got to say, particularly when you when you discover more classic Doctor Who there, Talia, and, uh, and when you've had more time to process, perhaps, Lucia, about the changes that are, that are coming <laughs> coming for the show. Well, happy 60th anniversary to the both of you. And uh, yeah, let's hope it works out a good one for all of us. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast. We cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show. Our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU Podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. teased and tantalized you there and we can even clothe you too there's merch to match all of those shows including type 40 if you head over to tpublic.com search for the fandom podcast network and that's where you'll find a store full of all the team colors for all of the shows on everything from t-shirts to mugs phone cases and tapestries seeing is believing treat yourself treat your other selves and it all goes to support the fandom podcast network into the bargain so everybody wins you can you can find the links to all of that in the show notes as always and the description to the video track too every edition of type 40 a doctor who podcast now comes not only in the standard audio version that we've always put out but with raw ish video editions too over on youtube on the space book channel that's the old girl starting up and calling time on this edition of the show i'll be back with another one soon look out for that wherever you found this it could have been on the dedicated home feed for type 40 at type40.podbean.com could be we rolled up on the podcatcher of your choice apple podcast spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, tune in google play amazon music pod all those places and we're on the podbean app itself of course we are we're on YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform. Plus, we're still on the fabulous Fandom Podcast Network's own master feed, loaded up with so many treats for your ears. Never mind on the weekly. They're coming at you with it on the daily. So consider a trip sideways in time to the Fandom Podcast Network. Maybe you'd like to have your say about all of this and everything that's to come in the near future on Doctor Who. You can reach out to us through our social media, Instagram and Twitter at Type 40 Doctor Who. Or if you're feeling really brave, you can join us in the Type 40 Facebook group. Just go over to Facebook. That's still the biggest of the social media platforms. So go to Facebook, type Type 40 into the search field, and soon you'll see the Type 40 Facebook groups pop up full of regenerations upon regenerations worth of Doctor Who fans talking about the classic series of Doctor Who, celebrating new Doctor Who too, and anticipating all new Doctor Who with Shooty Gatwa and Millie Gibson to come from Christmas 2023. That's another one wrapped up, I think. What's to come next? That's for me to know and you to find out. Lots recorded, lots of exciting interviews, previews, geek outs and deep dives 
coming your way all to mark the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who as eclectic and as fun as ever. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so over on Twitter and Instagram as the Spacebook, where I'm wheezing and groaning, ranting and raving about all things geeky inside and outside of the TARDIS with the odd bit of real life thrown in now and again when I absolutely have to. Again, my thanks to the wibbly wobbly timey wimeys, Lucia and Talia. Go and check them out. Go and find their podcast and their website and everything else. You'll find links to that in the description too. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We always have the time if you have the space here at Type 40. But that's it for this time. You take care. Speak to you soon. Bye bye.